Fake handoff, he'll throw it on second down. Deep down the middle, wide open man, Akeem Butler! Over the shoulder catch! It's going to be a single touchdown! Has a little moxie about him, doesn't it? He absolutely does. You saw how fired up his sideline was. And they're going to be elated for this! Party to the end zone! Because, yeah, good's good. But what's elite in the elite moments? Don't, don't tell me what you've done. Go back into the critical moments and tell me what you should have done when you had the opportunity to do it. That's what elite is. That's what warriors do. That's what champions do. Welcome to the White Cast. Welcome, listeners, back to the Lightcast. This is going to be a different kind of episode uh, than we've done in recent weeks because, honestly, the Iowa State news has slowed down significantly. So we're in the aftermath of football season with all the announcements of who's coming back. Men's basketball is currently on a COVID-induced shutdown. We've got plenty to talk about, especially because our, I would say, the personal interests outside of Iowa State, of the folks on this podcast have been uh, very busy over the course of the last week. So let's get after it. Uh, Austin Keeney, hosting as always, joined by my esteemed wide right Natty Light colleagues, Dylan Kuhn, Jared Larson. Fellas, good to talk to you. Um, what is going on in your world, Jared? Uh, I would like you to answer for something that was going around on Twitter over the weekend. It looked like Somebody was getting into some trouble in a parking lot in Sigourney doing donuts. Would you like to respond to accusations? I would not. However, I will state my lawyer wants me to say that I was in Ames uh, from about 6 uh, p.m. that night, to, uh, Saturday night, until about 10 p.m. Saturday night. And with that screen grab coming out at my lawyer says 7.30 a.m. Uh, on Sunday. I was in Ames and asleep, and I didn't wake up until 9.45 a.m., and I'll take no further questions and plead the Fifth Amendment. Are you allowed to do that as a journalist? Don't you uh, believe in the freedom to uh, ask questions of you? I don't, I don't subscribe to you being able to waive your privacy. I'm sorry. Well, because we are just all bloggers, actually, Keeney, people forget that. None of us are journalists. Uh, so, Michael shrug.gif. Some, some people believe that. Although I, I would say I've done a lot of investigative journalism for the site, so I want some respect put on my name. We all want spec put on our name, but maybe we'll get it in this year of our Lord, 2021. May he grant us publishing privileges and journalism awards in fewer than 30 days. All right. Um, I, Festivus was a few months ago, so this is not the airing of Grievances podcast, but uh, I will keep that in mind. Dylan, um, di I mean, big week for you, and we're going to get into it later in the podcast. How we doing, man? I, you got to feel great right now. I have already went through two seasons on NBA 2K with the uh, New Look Brooklyn Nets. I was very eager to get home that night and just run up a little my league and uh, play with uh, the only team that has uh, three all NBA guys on their team right now. So I'm um, I'm pretty jacked, Keeney. I'm pretty jacked up. All right. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think um, I wouldn't even know how he would do it, but I think he could. Do you think Dan Dockage listens to every podcast that mentions him by name? I hope if we just keep saying Dan Dockage, maybe like there's some internet uh, like hyperlink that'll just pick up on it. And for those who don't know Dan Dockage, what he does is so people won't even at his his Twitter like they won't. At, so like he wouldn't get a notification saying you've been mentioned by whoever. No, this guy goes to the search tab, types in his own name, types in Dan Dockage, and then we'll just start fighting. Whoever's talking shit on him saying he's bad at his job, which he 
most certainly is. My my dad, shout out Scott Kuhn here, made a great point that he has like all of the bad Harry Carey qualities and none of the good. None of the like likable kind of like rascal Harry Carey you, just like loud, obnoxious, dumb, uh, talks too much, fills dead air. Like he's just, he sucks. I hate Dan Dockage so much. He ruins basketball. So my favorite thing about Dan Dockage name searching himself on Twitter is no one ever says anything nice about him on Twitter. Like he no. just, he, he searches and then he reads just a bunch of comments about how much people hate him. And that's how he chooses to spend his free time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been going around on the old, uh, cyclone interwebs. Uh, apparently he has decided that we're not worthy of his attention, which I don't want his attention on Iowa state. Uh, he should stick to the Big Ten and a bunch of like seven and eight seeds that are going to be out of the NCAA tournament by uh, by the end of the first weekend. So, um, you know, what is becoming the new normal is Iowa State women's basketball beating Baylor. You see how I did that? That's a great transition. Uh, that's where I want to begin this podcast. So over the weekend, Iowa State ended Baylor's 61 game home winning streak. Uh, second straight win over the Bears. Kim Mulkey was big mad about the game, uh, even if she wouldn't say exactly what it was. But, um, gentlemen, your reactions. Tell me, uh, tell me first off, how much of the game did you get to watch? Because it was at a weird time on a Saturday night. But uh, I hope you got a chance to at least see some highlights. Uh, shout out to the Twister Sister uh, Twitter group chat. Don't say that three times fast. Um, just it's like the guys on wide right that so I've been writing previews mostly for uh, the women's games this year and I think it was Aiden who was like hey Iowa State is kind of giving it to Balaam this was early on so I I would just check in um and then I watched probably the last three minutes or so of the game without switching back to something else but um yeah I I this Iowa State team they got off to a slow start but if you've been watching them over the course of the season. They've just kept improving. Um, and it like there is quite a bit of a talent differential between teams like Baylor and South Carolina and the Yukons, the Oregons. Um, so this isn't like a, you know, it's a any given night boxers chance kind of like up beating Baylor two games in a row with Baylor being as dominant as they've have been with their women's program is truly quite the accomplishment um for this for this squad it's basically unheard of to kind of especially i mean we don't have a normal season but going into waco snapping that 61 game win streak i mean they have that win streak for a reason so this was a huge win this was like a all-time program win um over this last week for iowa state yeah i mean bill fenley even said as much and you know he's a guy who's won almost 700 games as a head coach Jared, you're usually pretty tuned into what the what the women are up to, and you also pay attention to Iowa State women's basketball. So, uh, your thoughts on the game from Saturday? So, first things first, it's the first time we've won in Waco for the women since 22 days before I was born, February 5th, 1997. Dylan, if you call me a boomer, I'm gonna drive to West Des Moines tonight. Um, I watched the entire game with my father. Shout out, Tim. Uh, I don't call you by your first name, so this is kind of weird. Uh, we said nice during the game twice because both teams hit 69 points or greater. But as uh, they said multiple times on the telecast, Baylor only had nine players because of COVID. And that was kind of their downfall. They didn't really have an answer for Ashley Jones down low. And when Steedy Richards got into some trouble in Queen Egbo, we just did really well, and I'm really excited that we have a two-game win streak over Baylor. I, uh, it was a very fun game because I was a little nervous as the second quarter was drawing to a close, but I knew, similar to how John Haycock does things, Fenley, when he plays against coaches against Baylor, he shows a look in the first half, and then in the second half, he shows a different look. As you saw with the inbound play, uh, where all five girls are on the baseline. They call that play Purdy. And if your uh, baseline inbounder can run the baseline, you can have all five athletes on the baseline as well. So it's really hard to tell who's cutting where. And I think it was 
as Dylan said, a top Cyclone win in program history. But I will say knocking off a Gino Ariema team in the tournament in 1999 was pretty high class, along with Allison Lacey's late three against Michigan State in the late 2000s. So, Jared, put a little bit of context on this, because Baylor was missing some players due to COVID, and it was Kim Mulkey's first game back from having COVID. But were they missing any, like, really key contributors? Or was this just, like, a lack of depth? I think it could honestly be a combination of both, really. Uh, They were missing uh, Dijon A. Carrington and uh, Caitlin Bickle. So that's a good guard and a forward and you need uh, to go against Ashley Jones ability to drive inside a good forward play. And without Caitlin Bickle, who is a six foot junior for Baylor, that was kind of their downfall. I mean, she hasn't played a lot, but she was a McDonald's all American nominee in high school. And she averaged 16 points uh, her junior year, but she did miss her senior season in high school with uh, an ACL injury. But, yeah, I'd like to think it's both good players that were missing out for Baylor and that added depth. Because only having nine players to play 40 minutes, it's kind of hard to find good players to fill the gap when, say, D.D. Richards got in foul trouble or Queen Egbo uh, uh, got in trouble, foul trouble late or that UCLA transfer. So, but I knew we were going to win going into the game just because I knew Iowa State was coming back and I knew Kristen Scott was back from her head injury, not a concussion, but yeah. Yeah. I think concussion talk will come up later in the podcast for, for other reasons, but uh, so some particulars from the game, Iowa State got off to a hot start from three as they have a number of times throughout the year. Uh, I'll tell you what I really like about this game is We've seen a couple times where once the stop the shots stop falling, Iowa State can have a tendency to, you know, let leads slip. I'm thinking specifically of the Cyhawk game where they blew an 18 point lead in the fourth quarter, and this Baylor team is significantly better than Iowa, and yet Iowa State didn't shoot the lights out in the second half of this game, but they still managed to put enough points on the board to go ahead and pull out the win. Uh, Ashley Jones, 27 points, 12 rebounds. I would say, like, how many, and let's be a little bit objective here, how many players are reasonably on Ashley Jones's level in the country at this point? Because she has been unbelievable. Zero. She had a great, the kind of the dagger, kind of the, uh, this game's over. Ashley Jones kind of, she had a good look from three-point land. And it. I tell people that it drives me nuts. I see it mostly in the NBA. A guy, and I understand the Brooklyn Nets now have three guys like this that would just dribble at the top of the key for the last 12 seconds of a game and then shoot a contested step back 35 footer, that Damian Lillard shot type of thing. Don't do that. She took, she did a great pump fake, went right in the lane, had kind of a George Niang awkward step through layup thing. It wasn't pretty, but that ball went in. And I, I just, I want to tell every young player, Every basketball player on the world do not take a contested three-point shot for that that kind of shot late in the fourth quarter. Go to the bucket, make the ref make a decision, go fight through contact, and I, I, it was just a great play to end that game. She had a great game overall, and then that ending sequence for her was fantastic. And a great time to really be aggressive when you're up two, trying yep. to make it a four-point game to ice it. I think you have a tendency to have players slip and, you know, fall back. If it's a a tie game, trying to hit that dagger shot by using up as much of the clock as possible and not giving the ball back. But uh, when you're trying to, you know, obviously there was the shot clock was going to expire before the game clock would, but you're trying to go up four, which is, you know, I mean that, that essentially ices the game. So uh, I love how you said that it was Niang esque because yeah, it didn't, it didn't look like the most aesthetically pleasing shot in the world, but if it goes in the basket, you're not going to hear any complaining about it. Um, the other big thing that came out of this game, I, I mentioned it. Kim Mulkey was big mad. What is her deal? <laughs> Why can she never just like give credit to the team that beat them? And I, I should preface that by saying I don't know the full context of like what question she was asked, but 
Mulkey was basically saying, well, I had COVID and, you know, I haven't been coaching the team and should we really be playing anyway? I mean, it's all about the money. Uh, I can guarantee to you Kim Mulkey would not say that if Baylor made a dramatic comeback and won the game. Yeah, you're exact. It's that same thing Coach K did where they lost like two non-conference games and he pumped the brakes and was like, well, we're not going to play until ACC starts and now they suck in the ACC too. So you're completely right. If she, if they win that game, the whole NCAA only cares about money. That doesn't even come close to the top of her list of talking points. It would be all about how her players fought through adversity, yada, yada, yada. And she doesn't. She never. She did this last year, too. She made some stupid excuse of why Iowa State beat them. And she just doesn't give credit to the other team. It's annoying. She's a very easy coach to dislike. Um, and I, I love anytime anyone beats Baylor, and it's even sweeter when we're the ones to do it. Well, not to be outdone, I mean, the Iowa State women are giving us all the content that we need over the course of the last week. The other big news that came out, this is um, kind of an interesting wrinkle that you wouldn't have in you know, the non-pandemic season, but we've got a new recruit joining the team in the middle of the season. Jared, uh, fill us in a little bit on how this came together, who this player is that's joining the team, and maybe do we think she'll be a contributor before the season's over? Um, sort of. Um, so uh, the player, Izzy Zingaro, is another really tall Canadian forward, six foot four, comes from Bolton, Ontario, Canada. And she's been a three year starter at Caledon Academy, where she averaged 23.6 points, 15.3 rebounds, and about two assists and steals per game her junior year. She came to Iowa State because she finished up all of her high school courses uh, and during the fall term. And effectively, it's kind of like a gray shirt, so she can understand the college game and understand the pace of it all. And But she's like an eligible gray shirt, which is weird in a fun way. Um, I doubt she'll play, but other recruits that we have coming in Maggie Vick is another 6-4 forward. Where, uh, I'm sorry, is it okay if I talk about women's basketball recruits, just so people know names coming of in? Of course. Thank you. So Maggie Vick is another 6-4 forward coming in from Tennessee, and she's averaged 13.6 uh, points per game last season, and she's a top 100 pros- uh, prospect according to Prospects Nation. And she led her team to an NACA national title last season where she was named the MVP and the best offensive player in the tournament. And she's currently the career rebound, rebounds and blocks leader at Lakeway Christian Academy. And our other recruit is Danae Fritz. And all these people have signed, by the way. A 5'11 guard also from Tennessee, a three-year starter at Maryville High, averaging 21.8, 21.1 points per game. 11.8 rebounds, three assists, and two steals per game. And she was originally born in Ames, and both of her parents attended Iowa State. But she moved to Tennessee. Like, I don't recall this person's name. But it'll be good to have a really skilled point guard and two really big bigs down low. So I'm just a really big fan of how Iowa State women's basketball continues to turn the page, raise the standard of eliteness and one last thought about Baylor I didn't really like that they had bears on their court I think it would have been a lot cooler if their court was just the BU logo and then an outlined big 12 logo on the free throw area but that's my soapbox on that and I'm really excited to see future women's basketball success <laughs> the uh, the court aesthetics podcast will probably wait for the summer when things are a little bit slower but uh, I, I appreciate I appreciate the thoughts there. Um, yeah, post-depth, I mean, you can never have enough of it. I would be really surprised if, if Izzy ends up playing significant minutes this year. But uh, if it's another body to throw at, you know, Ashley Jones and the rest of them at, in practice. Plus, it's I'm actually surprised we haven't seen more of this happening. Now, I get the maybe the player doesn't want to leave high school right away and, and go straight to campus. But uh, if they're able to do it. You know, I, I see the merit. Uh, you don't lose any eligibility, and you basically just get to start practicing with your teammates right away. 
So exactly. Another fun fact about Izzy, she's left-handed. So when she's going up to the basket, that'll add a wrinkle for defenses to try to guard around her left-handed shots. So be on the lookout for Izzy as we head into the next season. Thankfully, there's a lot of basketball left to be played this season, and Iowa State's looking pretty good. Um, I think ESPN's bracketologist had rated this, and NC State's win over South Carolina as the two best wins over the season. Uh, Ashley Jones was also the Big 12 Player of the Week, and Iowa State was the National Team of the Week for beating Oklahoma State and Baylor. Um, help me out with this one, too. Are we in first place in the conference right now? Yep. Yes. The tiebreaker. Hey, well, you're grading your charger, but yes. I, I did grab my charger. Fantastic. All right. Things are looking up on the women's front. Um, that's all the basketball we need to talk about for this week, because as I mentioned on the top, the men are in a COVID shutdown. They did not play Kansas on Saturday, and the Big 12 is just an absolute meat grinder. They would have played Texas this week. That is also postponed. So um, beyond that, the I guess the Iowa State connections are going to continue into this next topic, but I want to talk about the NFL playoffs. Now, um, do we want to do we want to shout out Estas now or should we wait a little bit longer? I can do it now. All right, let's let's have it. Estas Bar and Grill is our sponsor. Jared Larson loves talking about him, so he's going to do it right about now. Talking about them, nah, Keeney. I love tacoing about them. Estas Bar and Grill, a very mainstay place in Ames, over on Stanton Avenue. Uh, they'll give you tacos, Estas punch. And quesadillas, if you want to be like me during the weekends as a student, you can call in and take it to your place if you don't feel comfortable eating inside a restaurant, which I don't blame you. Uh, Cororo kind of sucks. But what doesn't suck is the quality of food and alcohol served at Estos Bar and Grill, who I love very much. And I will go actually eat from there in the two weeks or in two weeks when I return to Ames. Yeah. I, I will co-sign that uh, COVID is, it sucks, and I would encourage you strongly to not get it if you can uh, avoid it at all costs. Um, Izzy, if you're a listener of this podcast, which I don't know why you wouldn't be, Estas Bar and Grill is a great place to get yourself acclimated with Ames for some great tacos. So um, let's, like I said, move on to the NFL playoffs. Um, Iowa State has three players on championship game rosters, two of them that are active at this point. Um Jared, let's start here because you are our resident Chiefs fan. Pat Mahomes was in concussion protocol, question mark? Um, Okay, so the Chiefs beat the Browns. They're going to play the Bills in the AFC Championship game. What is, uh, what's the status of Pat Mahomes? I mean, I think he's going to play next week, no problem. But uh, that was weird. And why does Andy Reid keep calling run plays for him? That's a good question. That's a real good question. But it was, uh, you know, anything is possible. Uh, and uh, I'm not I'm not just talking Hennessy, man. We're talking Chad Henny. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I think that we should have more screen passes to Hill, some uh, zone reads deep to uh, Kelsey. I, I don't know. I, I I don't like it. But I do like that the Chiefs pulled out a dub because I was about to talk an inordinate, an inordinate amount of crap to Cyclone Coach, who is a big Browns fa- uh, fan. But I, a dub's a dub. I hope he's okay for next Sunday. And who knows, maybe I'll go down there and cover it. <laughs> the, uh, the news review is begging for Chiefs content. I, I would know more than anyone else. He says sarcastically. Um, hey, hey, hey. So the big thing that happened, you get, I mean, you get Andy Reid going for fourth down and one on his own 45-ish yard line with the game on the line, um, up by five. So keep in mind, a touchdown would have lost the game. I can't believe they snapped the ball. But also, I've watched a fair amount of Chiefs football this year. I knew exactly the play they were going to run, and I knew it was going to work. So uh, shout out to Andy for having the balls to go ahead and call that play. And um, Tyreek Hill is the fastest human being in the world. I think if they wanted to do that 25 times a game, they could. But I uh, just, the, Oh, sorry. Dylan, go ahead. I, have, I got two quick things on this game. 
Keeney, your tweet about I don't think it's fair that the Chiefs get three plays to get 10 yards, I think you're absolutely right on. This team has way too many playmakers. And when Patrick Mahomes isn't walking like his legs are rubber, he's a real good quarterback. And then the second thing, the like combination of how dumb targeting is and the fumbling out of the end zone is a touchback and the other team's ball. The fact that those two terrible rules in the NFL happened on the same play to the Cleveland Browns is is some kind of sick, cruel joke that would only happen to like Iowa State, the Cubs, the Browns, like just the most unlucky, the Bills. Um, it just it sucks. I I the Browns were very easy to root for. I love Baker. He's cocky. He's arrogant. He's in commercials that I don't know how his agent got like his 10th best quarterback in the league to be on every, is it progressive commercial? Um, and I was really rooting for the Browns. Browns bills would have been an electric AFC championship game, but As I digress. Saying, I still disagree. I yeah. hope Mahomes is healthy next week. Cause it would be a big bummer, not hating on Henny. Uh, but if, if we don't get Mahomes versus Allen, I'll be a little upset. Yeah, um, thanks for the reminder that that was the insurance bowl because Patty Mahomes, yeah, State, State, Farm, Farm. State Farm guy, Baker, progressive guy. So uh, neither company sponsors this podcast, but take the outcome of the game for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, hard to disagree with you uh, about the rule, the uh, the fumble going out of the end zone. It's it's dumb. It This isn't the podcast to litigate what we should do about that. Um, and I. I've always contended that the best team should have to get like 20 yards per first down or something like that. Uh, the Chiefs would definitely qualify. Didn't Quinn Bundridge have a, a fumble like the touchback that happened in that game in like 2015 against Northern Iowa? Um, I I will say I was at that game, but I don't remember that specific play. It was uh, the hottest game in Jack Tri Stadium history. Oh, I was at that game then too. Me too, and I have a. I also don't remember it. that touchdown thing, but if Jared Larson says it, I have known you long enough to just assume that it is true, so I don't get exposed. So well, I'm going to say we're correct. I have chosen to remember Quentin Bundridge for his 97-yard touchdown against Texas, and for just being a delightful receiver on some pretty bad football teams. So uh, let's get into the Iowa State connection. Uh, the Packers beat the Rams. Whatever. Alan Lazard scored a touchdown. Good for him. Um, AJ Klein on the Bills going to the AFC Championship game playing or they beat the Ravens 17 to 3. Um let's I guess of the four teams remaining, Jared, I, I think I know where your allegiances lie here, but who yeah. let's say who's your most likely Super Bowl champion of the teams that have left and who's gonna bring it home? We'll we'll do this a little bit more in depth, of course, over the next two weeks after the championship games, but just right uh, now. Right now, it, it, I, I know Mahomes will be back, but let's uh, play Napoleon Bonaparte's advocate uh, and say Mahomes doesn't play. Uh, I, I really think Green Bay has been doing really good things. Uh, it would be cool to see Lazard get a ring. So if somehow, some way, uh, uh, the Bills happen to beat the Chiefs and the Packers beat uh, the Buccaneers almost said the Saints um, due to the fact I was driving and didn't watch the second half of that game. Uh, I would really like to see the Packers win. And but for best overall chance, I definitely think it goes to the boys down in Kansas City. I, I hope Alan doesn't take this the wrong way, because I'm sure he's also a listener of the light cast. But uh, the Packers winning would be a worst outcome possible. I just no, nothing about that is appealing to me. Uh, there will be a cyclone with the Super Bowl ring on the line, regardless of what happens, though. Uh, let's not forget KO on the Chiefs. Unfortunately, injured this season, not active, but he would get a Super Bowl ring if the Chiefs do win another Super Bowl. So, uh, Dylan, I, I probably cut you off there, but what's uh, who's your Super Bowl champion going into championship weekend? Uh, Keeney, I hate to tell you this, but I think if Mahomes is Mahomes, I think I, I don't want to count out Brady, but I'm certainly going to. I, I can't throw a ball further than seven yards. Um, I, I'm I'm going to take 
uh, Packers, and I'm going to take Chiefs. I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I was cheering for the Browns. Now I'm going to cheer for the Bills. I have a good friend who's a Chiefs fan. And as long as Patrick Mahomes is the best football player on earth, I'm just going to constantly root against him because it is what I do best, just picking the best player in whatever sport and hating him. Uh, Mahomes is a likable guy, too. I just I'm somehow obsessed with hating the best player. Uh, So I want the Bills to win. I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. People are saying James Harden is the best player in the NBA. (laughs) There you go. I love it. Um, Yeah, I I guess if you want the most overrated quarterback of all time to win another Super Bowl, uh, another meaning that he has been to the Super Bowl one time in his career. It was 10 years ago. Um, He has lost his last three trips to the conference championship game. He's lost two home playoff games in that time. And I'm really sick and tired of looking at his stupid goddamn face. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, nothing against Alan Lazard, but please, God, do not let the Packers win the Super Bowl. I, I do not need that in my life. So, um, like I said, we, we'll get a matchup uh, this weekend, and then I can't wait for the, the couple weeks of Super Bowl prep. It's always fun to pick our favorite props and just what we think is going to happen in the game. We'll do we'll do a Super Bowl prop preview in a couple weeks, but uh, – yeah, I think that's a good place to leave the NFL for now. Unless, Jared, do you have any like Iowa State anecdotes you want to leave us on uh, playoff performances? Uh, I saw Allen was the first Cyclone to score a touchdown in the playoffs in quite a while. Yeah, the first one since the playoff era, but before the NFL merger, because Jim Doran scored lots of uh, touchdowns in NFL championships during the 50s. Pro bowler Tony Baker with the New Orleans Saints in 1969 on his only rushing attempt of the day, got a five-yard touchdown for the Saints. However, another fun fact in the Super Bowl, two Iowa State tight ends have scored touchdowns. Kind of neat. And uh, at Iowa, they have zero tight ends scoring touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I know I rehash this all the time, but only one school is tied into you, as we've heard many times, and it's not the school to the north of me. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but technically, would Ames also be north of you? It's more west to me. But I, I, I understand that, but I'm also... I don't just, like this technicality. The <laughs> the school, that's an hour away from me, Keeney. How about that? Okay, and just for the listeners out there, if you've been following long enough, you know Jared lives in Sigourney, Iowa, the metropolis of Sigourney. So uh, Ames would be the school that is farther away. All right. Um, if the Bears didn't suck so much, maybe David Montgomery could have got in the end zone last week. But let's see. Anything else happen over the course of last week? Uh, I, I had another topic on my to-do list before we, we wrap up. Um, I got one for you. Dylan, am I forgetting anything? Yes. That we were going to talk think, about on this podcast? I think it might have something to do with my Brooklyn Nets key. Oh, no. I remember something before we go on about your Nets 30 seconds. Uh, last week in history, Iowa State beat Wilt Chamberlain and number one Kansas in 1957. Forgot to bring that up. Apologies. Go ahead. That is a nice anecdote because you don't think of his college career very much. Um, yeah, let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets hour. Uh, the Nets executed the James Harden trade, traded away most of their team. Dylan, when, when a basketball game is happening, how many balls are on the court at one time? Uh, my my good friend Matthias Schwarzkopf says one only one ball. The uh, the early sure. returns are promising here though, but Kyrie has not played with the two yet. Um, Dylan, why don't you break down the trade a little bit? Just like what players went where? Obviously, Harden's with Houston, but what else has changed about the Nets? Okay, so we just Jared had a great uh, Wilt Chamberlain Iowa State connection here. Here's another Wilt Chamberlain set. So it says Kevin Durant, who has scored 72 points, and James Harden, who has scored 66 points, have combined for 138 in their first two games as Nets teammates. That's second most in a duo's first two games with the franchise. The most is 151 by Wilt Chamberlain, who had 139 of those 151, and York Larice, who only had 12. So Wilt Chamberlain basically outscored Kevin Durant and James Harden over two-game stretch while KD and James Harden have looked like MVP candidates. Anyways, um, so James Harden, 
uh, got to Brooklyn. And if you looked at some of the offers that were allegedly on the table, I really have no idea why Houston did what they did. This might come back to bite me and it'll end up being like the Billy King, Boston, Brooklyn trade. I really don't think it is like that. Um, James Harden is still in his prime. KD is playing like he's in his prime. If you would ask me before the season, I would have said maybe a year or two after his prime. Um, and once Kyrie decides he wants to play basketball again, he is only, I think, 29 or 30 years old. So um, the Brooklyn Nets, are they went from likely um, Eastern Conference contender to they are a full-blown championship contender. This team has a stupid amount of talent. They did get rid of uh, Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Jared Allen is now with the Cleveland Cavaliers on a team that has like 12 centers. Um, and then, uh, so Karis LeVert was going to the Rockets and then the Rockets flipped him for Victor Oladipo. Karis LeVert is in Indiana, but on an MRI, they found a growth on his kidney. So he's out for a disclosed amount of time, um, which is too bad. I wish Karis LeVert the best. The one thing I, I'm so happy that the Nets have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, that just blows my mind. The one thing, Keeney, I'm scared about. Two years ago, the Brooklyn Nets, it was Kenny Atkinson it, as their head coach, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, all of these kind of uh, – it was kind of like what the Miami Heat did last year without Jimmy Butler. Um, just a bunch of guys who had kind of bounced around the league and had never really found their fit. Kenny Atkinson had been an assistant coach and never really – got a good opportunity and they were just built on culture. They were like all in like teammate chemistry was crazy. Monday Hollis Jefferson is another big part of that locker room. Um, Joe Harris is now the only Brooklyn net still on the roster from two seasons ago. So that gives me a little bit of pause. Um, talent takes you very far. I think, I hope these three big players can figure out who's going to get points when, um, but man, I'm, I'm just jacked. They played great against the Bucks tonight. The Bucks are probably going to be, um, one, if not the best, uh, contenders in the East this year. So yeah, I, I'm jacked. Once Kyrie gets back, I hope they can figure out kind of the rotations and, um, who gets what, when the bench is a little depleted, but man, if you have three of the top 10, top 15 guys in the league and probably two of the top five, you're, you're looking pretty good, um, as far as NBA titles go. Well, they say everything's bigger in Texas, and I'm kind of inclined to believe that this when you is see the, crazy. the before and after pictures of James Harden from his last game in Houston, which, by the way, just an absolute finesse king for figuring out how to not be on the Rockets anymore. Um, if Boogie Cousins is the voice of reason on the Houston Rockets and is like, hey, this guy's got to go, then James Harden knew he did a great job of just poisoning that locker room. Um I mentioned the early returns, and obviously Kyrie has not played yet. Here's my Nets thought. They are going to win the East as long as Kevin Durant is himself at full strength. I would have believed that before the Harden trade, and now I believe it after the Harden trade. I just think Kevin Durant is that kind of a game breaker. But I think where this is going to really come in handy for him, and I, I watched it tonight, you've got two guys who can get a bucket at any time they want. I think it yep. really helps that they have played together before. Um, I mean, they looked like they were were comfortable sharing the ball with each other, and they're not really running much, but they shouldn't be yet because James just got there. And I don't think factoring Kyrie into that, too, is going to change it all that much. Um, they're just going to be a team with a bunch of bucket getters. Now, where you should be concerned is who's going to play defense because there's going to sure. come a time sure. when you need to get stops in the playoffs. And I don't know who's going to do that. Uh, Keeney. And if you watch the last five seconds of the game tonight, Bruce Brown was a great, um, a great get over the off season. A lot of the Nets Twitter wanted drew holiday. Who's with the bucks. Now Bruce Brown, although not nearly as big of a name as drew holiday, Bruce Brown's going to be the guy guarding, um, I mean, he, he probably can't guard guys like LeBron, but late game situations in the regular season, guys like Dame, Devin Booker, any guard. I mean, like that guy can can really lock down 10, 15 seconds of a play clock and play stellar defense. Rim protection. If DeAndre Jordan, he played good tonight. 
but he, he's getting up there in age and doesn't move quite like he used to. So I, I'm more worried about the bigs in terms of defense. Jeff Green's an all right defender, but um, yeah, defense is certainly on the back burner, but Iowa State has seen some really good basketball where defense did not exist in the Hoiberg era, and they were pretty successful. So I'm hoping we can just kind of replicate, hey, if we score more points than the other team, we're going to win. Jeff Green, the NASCAR driver? Yes. Oh, that's it. No, no, Jeff Green. Jeff Green's right. There's, there's just also another Jeff Green that's a NASCAR driver. And yeah, there's a couple miles. Jeff Greens yeah. out okay. there. That's fair. I, I kind of wish we would have did an emergency podcast after the trade, even though it's just I not was, Iowa State related at all. Because uh, now we've seen them play together, and I think we had a lot stronger takes before the Nets went two and zero in the first two games with Harden on the roster. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're going to need to buy out a center, and someone will become available who wants to go play for a, a contender. So I'm not not worried about them having nothing. But yeah, DeAndre Jordan is just not going to cut it. I mean, that guy's a corpse um, in basketball sen- in a basketball sense. And just like congratulations to him for being friends with Kevin Durant because he's getting paid very well to be a guy who really shouldn't play more than like 15 minutes a game on a good team. Yeah. Also, a little something to keep an eye on. It might be a Jared Allen revenge game. Uh, Cleveland and Brooklyn play this coming week, and there was some uh, some raised eyebrows apparently on Jared Allen's playing time compared to DeAndre Jordan. So Jared Allen might be out for blood if he games or blocks on DeAndre Jordan. I will tip my cat. That guy has a great afro. He was a great player for the Nets, and I wish him the best. Yeah, he, he was a lot of fun. Uh Big 12 alum, I should say, even though he's not really an alum because he, I think he only played for one year, but like uh, just another big, games. another big 12 basketball player there making an impact in the league. He He's really, really good. And if there was any way for that trade to not include him, it should have, but uh, there's probably no way they could have pulled that off. Yeah, I don't think so. He appeared in 33 games at Texas, not 10 games. Yeah, he I was, did, he was so a one-year guy. Texas has a guy like Jared Allen every – who's their guy this year? He literally looks – he's got the hair of Jared Allen. Uh, Jericho uh, Sim- uh Greg Brown name? is their one and done, and he's legit. I've, I've watched a, a little bit of Texas, but he's a guy who pops off the screen when you watch them. As like a 6'11". Like he fits the stereotype. He's like what Miles Turner was supposed to be, where yeah. he's just like a, a stretch center. I don't know. Maybe he won't be that great of a shooter, kind of like Miles Turner. But uh, yeah, I think he can really play. So you, you guys um, remember Cameron Ridley? Yep, I do. He played. That guy uh, was a unit. I know. It was he ever six nine three oh six. Oh man, <laughs> an that absolute guy. chunk. Uh, anyways, yeah. he played uh, two or three professional seasons in Japan with the Hiroshima Dragonflies and the Nishiomiya Storks. Texas had some mean teams back there. Like Isaiah Taylor, he was on my uh, all time heels for men's basketball. Like I just could not stand watching him play. He was effective, but he was like not good at basketball, but he's the quickest basketball player I've ever seen. Just like that one step into getting fouled. He plays a lot like James Harden really, but uh, yeah. Um, I think that's going to close out our Nets minute because we do have one more thing on our agenda. Uh, it's a pretty big one because we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet uh, since the season started. So how about a little bachelor talk? Keeney, I am so excited. You go and ahead. Jared, and- I'm not, how, like, have you been like keeping up with this at all? Or is this just going to be, uh, <laughs> is this going to be where he jumps off the pod and goes about his night? Yeah, I'm about to learn more about Willie Pickford from the last podcast on the left, a Canadian serial killer. It's been great, guys, but uh, I have no contributions. Listeners, thank you. Good night. Well, this was unplanned. I don't know if Jared's actually leaving, but uh, just in case. Okay, I do have some questions built up. Uh, This is our first time talking about The Bachelor this season. Um, My first question, Dylan. Your overall impression of okay, so Jared's gonna say goodbye. Uh, bye, Jared. Thank you for your contribution to this podcast as always. Uh, Matt James, he has never appeared on a Bachelor show before, and now he's the guy. Uh, your early impressions of him in this role? Okay, so 
it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I think we shared some of the same sentiment of the previews. It looked like his personality just didn't really jump off the screen. He seemed a little subdued, a little too laid back, maybe, um, to be kind of the star of the show here. But I think he's been fine. I think he's been a fine bachelor. Um, nothing, nothing where it's like, what is this guy thinking? It's not like Peter, where you're just constantly like, this guy's an idiot. Um, so he hasn't done anything so far that I've been completely disgusted with. Yeah, I was I was nervous coming into this because they basically plucked this guy straight off of Instagram. So yeah. we don't he's never been on TV. We don't know if he's good or bad. Um, I, I think he's been fine. I, I I wouldn't say he's been a great bachelor yet, but he's got a lot of time to make it up. Um, yeah, my early impression is he's he's pretty meh. He's he's like a lot of bachelors where. He knows how to say the right things and, you know, I, I think he knows how to do this, but uh, he's not very dynamic. And that yeah. might be kind of the point of The Bachelor, because I think when the show's really good, it's because there's a dynamic cast of women. And I would say this cast qualifies. Do you agree? Yes, I am. This And then the so the first season ever that I watched like intently was Colton season. And I am getting a lot of uh, kind of like deja vu here where this this cast of characters on the woman's side, they got some they got some players here. Keeney. They got I mean, this is a deep roster we're talking about where like I, there's I'm not sure how many girls are like in contention for winning that rose. But you could see a couple of future bachelorettes, some bachelor in paradise candidates in the in the near future. They, they found some good ones here on the cast. Uh, yes, I, I strongly agree. So who has stood out to you the most so far? So Keeney, talk about a heartbreaker. Uh, there is eight of us in who we picked, um, to win. You got to guess after the first night, you can watch the, like this season after, right after episode one and Keeney, you're not going to believe it. I picked Sarah. Now my thing was night one. It seemed like the two front runners were Rachel, who is uh, she looks like she's 17, brown hair. She cried after Matt said like the most basic prayer on the opening episode. And then Abigail, who what didn't have a strong episode this episode, but has gotten quite a bit of screen time over the first two. And I didn't really like either of them. And I had the first pick here. So a lot of pressure, Keeney. And I saw Sarah in the previews a lot. And unfortunately, it is, it seems like it was just all from this episode uh, because, spoiler alert, she just kind of walked off, kind of walked off the show tonight. So that was a bummer. I would say the front runners are looking like Rachel, Abigail. Um, oh, who's the one on one tonight? Serena? Serena. Yes. yes. Uh, I I have a lot of nice things to say about Serena. Very. Go ahead. Yeah. I. She has like the most dynamic personality of anybody I've ever seen on this show in the time that I've been watching it. Like just the way that she interacted with Matt, because uh, she did have a one on one date in this. So this was the third episode. Um, she was like doing a like a little back and forth. Like she wasn't like super flustered. She wasn't intimidated by Matt. Uh yeah, um, the thing that bums me out about Serena, though, she's she's 22, so she's obviously not there to get married. Um, Matt likes her, but she'll make it to about the final six or eight or something like that, and then she'll be a star on Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, yeah, what a smokescreen, though. Sarah looked like she was going to be around for the long haul. Mm. I I would have had her pegged as like a final four, uh, someone who was like, because Matt's obviously into her. Oh, and, super. I mean, it looked like the clear, it looked almost reminiscent of Claire and Dale. Like the way Matt acted around Sarah was night and day between, I would say, up until uh, Serena on this episode. It was like Sarah and then everyone was just fighting for second. Yeah. So that, they that's really, a big bummer. They really just emptied the tank with, with all their Sarah content. Um, yeah. Another element. So I, I had a few more questions here. Uh, one of them was in or out on Sarah, which I had written down before she took herself out of the show. Um, I wasn't, I was not a fan of how they, the producers were, cause I, I didn't have a problem with Sarah, but they were making yeah. it look like she was the villain just cause she was 
you know, not enjoying herself. And she pulled the self-exit instead of doing the whole thing where, like, stealing all the time and then trying to get everybody else eliminated. Uh, Obviously going through some personal stuff, too. But I couldn't believe how mean everybody was to her for, like, being all up in her feels. Yeah, that was an ugly part of the show, and you don't know um, what the other girls knew and didn't know about what's going on in Sarah's personal life. Um, obviously, this is everything's pre-recorded. I don't know how her dad is doing. I hope her family is doing well. Um, but it, it was kind of shitty how the producers portrayed it. Like just her, like worrying about her family, um, shouldn't really make her a bad. Per- like it, it's crazy that. Um, if they portrayed her as a bad person, the only thing is she did in terms of bachelor. Now this is, I'm, I'm not talking real life anymore. Like you, you gotta think bachelor is kind of a a game within itself and the going on a group date, you weren't invited to, to talk to the bachelor. That's a, that's a big no, no. Um, I I don't care how justified it is. That is like a golden rule. Do not do, or you're going to piss everyone off. Um, so that, that that's the one thing where I get, you know, she didn't handle that the best, but all things considered, uh, yeah, I think the girls were a little bit harsh. Shout out Katie, man. K- Katie, for those who don't know, um, walked in night one with a, a vibrator in her hand and looked kind of just like a joke and she was going to be out first episode, has suddenly turned into maybe the most mature and responsible um candidate on the bachelor ever just took everything with such grace um talking to sarah who interrupted her time with matt and then just took it like a champ um talked to her talked her through it uh right before sarah leaves they had a nice little bonding moment um katie lost her dad i think she said in 2012 and and that got super emotional and then that was kind of the point where you're like maybe sarah isn't an asshole and she's actually going through some shit um so yeah katie and serena i think were big winners sarah a lot going on um i the one thing she might come back i don't you never know with a bachelor she might come back near the end we'll have to see um but sarah obviously a loser that's a really good point uh because and i say that because matt really was into her like you could really tell um and this is the thing i think is going to happen for matt is he's going to pick like a, like a 24 year old uh, Instagram model to date for a few months and then they'll break up. I don't think he's here to find a wife and that's nothing against him personally. That's just how I felt about him coming into this show. Um, Katie's legit. The only problem is yeah. Matt doesn't, Matt's not into her at all. So she's not going to be long for the show, but she's another one who will be like in bachelor in paradise and she'll probably be a pretty hot commodity there. Um, yep. The big character of the show thus far is victoria the queen okay so i'm gonna say one thing in her defense and then we're gonna talk about how much we hate her so in the first episode she um she made a big point of like well okay so here's the thing i've been seeing a lot on the season so far a lot of complaining about not getting time and you know what doesn't resolve that is sitting around bitching to the other people about how you haven't had time you know what Victoria did on episode number one? She was actively encouraging other women to go talk to Matt and nobody would move a muscle. So she decided, well, I'll go talk to him. So um, really smart. She obviously I mean, she's just a drag. She's horrible. I hate her so much and I can't wait for her to not be on the show anymore. But she is all about, man, don't complain about not getting time. Go make your time, which is how the show works. And I don't know how you watch it for so long because all these women that are on the show, they've watched it for years. I don't know how they can't get it through their head that like you got to go make your own time. Sarah interrupts the group date. Make your own time. There are no rules. That is a classic move. And everyone else, like they see it and then they don't do anything about it. So that is the end of my Victoria defense. Um, I will open the floor to you to talk about how much you hate her. Okay, so I also have one thing. She had quite the turnaround episode here depending on if you were team sarah or not because if you were team sarah victoria came off like she was a huge like high school mean girl but if you don't like sarah victoria somehow turned into a hero this episode i i personally i i think victoria is kind of a producer plant there to stir up drama um no one talks or acts like that in real life uh her like her profession on her lower third 
it says Victoria, age 20-something, and then her profession says queen. Now, Keeney, I don't know if she is um, a monarch of some small country somewhere. From what I know, she's from Orange County, California, so I don't, I don't think she's an acting queen. Um, but, man, she, she's great television, plain and simple. That's what I've been telling my friends who can't stand her. You know, love her or hate her, she is, she is awesome for The Bachelor. Uh, there's a girl like this every year who just is just freaking balls to the wall, crazy, bad shit. Uh, the, the one thing I will say, and, I, I, you know, I all of these girls on this show are, are far out of my league, Austin. Has there ever been a more average-looking person on The Bachelor than Victoria? She looks – I feel like I could just walk down the street and see Victoria – and she's in amongst this group of like Instagram models and like uh, uh, freaking just beautiful humans. And then you just have Victoria who's like, yeah, I think maybe I like went to high school with a girl that looked like that. It, it's just it's a weird kind of optical illusion to go from these crazy supermodels. And then you just have Victoria. Are, are you the same page as me there? Do you think she's just very average I looking? I don't think I'm at the liberty to say that. I don't I don't like to make the sure. uh, I don't like to be that guy um that sure. she's a little plain just, like she doesn't yeah. stand out in in that sense but um okay i don't even like her as like compelling television i get it but she sucks and well like the, that that's that's the good part you know well i think on the level of villains of the show she is at like the bottom of like the very worst of the villains like i don't even like seeing her on the screen here's the thing she is constantly drunk. They, it's, it's not always obvious, but in all these group settings, she's hammered. Yeah. If you, if you're looking for it, you can tell. Very, very drunk all the time. Um, Matt is repulsed by her. <laughs> Matt absolutely hates having her around. Um, you can tell there was a moment in the second episode where she asked for like a kiss after a conversation, and Matt, I mean. God bless him. He obliged, but he was it like, wasn't pretty. How quick can I get this over with? And like, can I go get some mouthwash before I talk to somebody else? I mean, he cannot stand having her around. And there's never been a more obvious plant. Like the thing about the villains yeah. is usually the lead is is into them a little bit or you can you can find at least one reason why they're there. Victoria, I've got nothing. I don't know why she's there. She <laughs> sucks so bad. Here's the, my one thing, though. It's like it is so easy. Like if you're watching The Bachelor with a group of friends or your significant other, and it's so anytime she comes on the TV, you're just like, this bitch sucks. It's just so easy. I think she has turned off comments on every single social media platform she has. Um, my friends were trying to like see like what people were saying to her on Twitter or Instagram, and you can't comment on them. So God bless her. I mean, she she's just taken a bullet to be on television because she she is not portraying herself uh great i wouldn't say yeah just just constant l's um she is not going to be the villain for long because she's not going to be on the show for terribly long i think we'll get another week or two of her but um i think there is a, a an obvious replacement for the villain when victoria is gone uh, i want you to guess who i think that is i guess is kit yeah i don't know if we're on the same okay you you yep, get the same vibes. Okay. Twenty one years old. Give me a break. I, I saw the second that yeah. she showed up. Twenty one. No, she's <laughs> the villain. She's only there to be the villain, and she's only there to well, she's there to be the villain, and she's there to be on TV and try and promote Kit, her personal yep. brand. Yep. I I know why they cast her. I wish they wouldn't do this crap. Uh, it's see i this is we're turning into college basketball or one and done's bad for college basketball here because we're getting goals like this every year now kenny that it's quite obvious that a 21 year old and a 22 year old you're not there for a husband you're there for getting your instagram you're there for the clout uh is it bad for the bachelor is, is this is this a thing that we can keep doing every season what are your thoughts on that kenny I mean, there's usually a pretty good uh, crossover between college sports and the Bachelor slash Bachelorette. I mean, Matt <laughs> himself is a former college football player. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. The the equivalent of the one and done is the 21 or 22 year old that comes on the show for Instagram followers. And it works every time. I do think in the in the defense of the show, it's great because it gets content and it gets people talking. But it is not good for 
I, I guess, personal enjoyment of the show. So maybe that's a weird hill to die on. But I mean, we know we know what the deal is. You know, you're not fooling anybody. It's the same thing with these dates they keep having. Like in episode three, which aired uh, on this Monday, we're recording it right after the episode happened, was the stand in a well, stand on a stage and read a raunchy story that you wrote or read a song that you wrote or a poem or anything. It's such a staple of the show. I know why they're doing it because of the COVID and you can't really leave the resort where they're filming, but these dates are stupid and I really don't like them. Um, again, maybe another weird hill, hill to die on. I just seen it so many times. I'm, I'm ready for something different. Yeah. I think the bachelor is a lot more enjoyable when the, they kind of get a move around a little, um, we all remember the the city of love, the city of romance that is Cleveland, Ohio. I still have no idea how Cleveland, Ohio Cle- got Cleveland Bachelor. Rocks, man. <laughs> I have no idea how they got the Bachelor to come to Cleveland. But I would agree. It, it sucks for these girls that uh, the Bachelor has been known to go to like tropical islands and uh, like all these like Europe and, and all these like kind of resort cities, um, and they're just they're stuck. This is better than like the la quinta in the middle of the desert of california uh it's it's a cool looking place uh in pennsylvania i think um but yeah they are they're severely limited on date ideas and they're starting to rehash some stuff and i think you're right it's getting a little bland my only thing about that is it's the exact same dates they do in non-covid times there's always a situation like this where someone has to write a song or a poem or apparently an erotic story and perform it in front of people and it's got, creepy Keeney, i got one quick thing that they just kind of threw under the rug did chris harrison really write that book like the start of that I, date he was ghost that, wrote it i mean somebody wrote it for him and he got to put his name on it i'm sure that is i i just have no idea how that hasn't popped up on bachelor twitter that chris harrison is just moonlighting as an airport romance romance novelist I, I don't know how that hasn't like all right been revealed let let me tell you chris harrison is a finesse king i don't know what his salary is but it is man he makes a lot of money per second he appears on tv what a job what a job i mean yeah Uh, chris harrison's the man i I appreciate him i complain too much about this show that i watch every week and then talk about on a (laughs) podcast but uh i don't know i don't know so i'd say to recap at this point matt is a he's okay He's got a long way to go, and he's just really learning how to be on TV in the first place. Um, what he needs to do a better job of is not conveying his emotions so easily. You can tell who he's into and who he's not. So yeah. Play your cards. Yeah. Um, so Matt's all right. Dynamic cast of women. I mean, I'm yep. really looking forward to seeing where this goes and uh, just seeing who's going to be I, who's going to be the Bachelorette out of this crop and who's going to Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, Victoria sucks. She's the worst villain I've ever seen. Uh, she might not be the worst villain you've ever seen, but she's definitely the villain until Kit will take over later. Cause she's 21 and has no business on the show. Um, <laughs> did we miss anything? I don't, uh, the one thing I, I want this bachelor trope to stop. If you go on the bachelor or the bachelorette, you can't act like you're pissed when you find out the guy you're talking to is also into 20 other women. That's the point of the freaking show. And this is at subtweeting Sarah here, you can't be like, oh, this is so hard. This isn't what I expected. Of course, what did you expect? You thought it, it was just going to be you and him? Have you, you never seen the show? There's 30 other women that he's he's dating. So I, I just oh, hate, so- I always hate that. There's always one that is like, I can't believe he's into other women. It's like, of course he is. That's the point of the show. You know what? I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I, I appreciate you saying that because it is a trope that happens every year. Everyone thinks they're going to be in a Claire Dale dynamic where you meet them and like three days later, the show's over and it never works that way, especially with Matt, because Matt is uh, he's a good looking guy and he is interested in meeting some women. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um, also, I get and like I said, I get sick and tired of when they complain about not getting time and then they don't do anything about that. That's the trope that I would get rid of right now if I could. I'd agree. That's that's a bad one, too. All right. Um that is the bachelor episodes one through three recap. I am, I am so glad that we get to do this again. We're going to be talking about like one episode at a time from here on out, I hope. And 
that'll make things flow a lot easier. So with Sarah out of the way, I'm going to ask you to pick your winner at this point, and that's how we will end this podcast. I'm going to say, Rachel, my only um, concern is in the like the very first uh, this season coming up, they it seemed like maybe her parents are a little bit off their rockers. So the uh, the home, the hometown date might not go well. I'm leaning towards Rachel right now. All right. I said this at the start and I don't really have a lot to back this up for me, but I'm my pick is is Mary or Mari. I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, Ooh. Which we one haven't is that? Seen, we haven't seen oh, any of her okay. yet. Okay. But this is usually what they they will do this every once in a while where this person will be really on the back burner until about episode five or six, and then they're like really on the show a lot. Uh, my reason uh, when she got out of the limo and walked up the stairs, Matt took a long look at her behind. He was very intrigued. <laughs> and and that's that's all we need. That that's yeah. What so love got to do with it. I'm gonna yeah, look her up my, right now. I literally have no idea who you're talking about. Oh, okay, okay, I see you. Yep. Uh, so I will say her, and then uh, I think Abigail is going to be in the final four too. I, I don't know. I don't want to say final two yet, but she will be in the final four. Yep. All right, um, Dylan. Thank you, Jared Larson. Thank you from Beyond for being on this podcast. We are <laughs> caught up on the Bachelor. We are caught up on the NBA. And yeah, let's look to the Iowa State women for continuing to give us content because I love cheering for good basketball teams. So, um, Dylan, any parting shots before we get out of here? I got nothing. Go Nets. All right. Uh, I, I like betting on the Nets right now. They're still a little bit undervalued with the, the new team dynamic. So go Nets until Vegas figures them out. Then I will fade the Nets. Uh, <laughs> thank you, listeners, for joining us on this week's Lightcast. We will get you next week with another Bachelor recap, some more Iowa State hoops, and some more Nets. Oh!